So, uh, I can come down maybe a little bit. Yeah, there we go. All right. So, um, this has come full circle for me. I got born again in this church. Not, not this church, but the basement of the old credit bureau building. Some of you old summit folks or agape folks know where that was, you know. And uh, Pastor Tracy at the time, ministry of salvation to me. And got filled with the Holy Spirit, too. You know, so this is really full circle to me, and I'm excited to be up here. So um, I want you all to stand up real quick. So take your arms and just kind of grab yourself, okay? Give yourself a hug. Yeah. Now close your eyes. Now imagine that Jesus is hugging you. Imagine that. Squeeze tight. Squeeze tight. Because he's not going to let you go. He's never going to let you go. He loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done last week, last month, 10 minutes ago. It doesn't matter. He loves you. So I want you to keep that picture in your mind as we go through this service because I want to make sure that you know how much God loves you. Okay? So if you have your Bibles, hold your Bibles up phones, uh, iPads, whatever you have, that vehicle where you uh, are looking at scripture. And repeat this after me. This is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I am what it says I am. Today, I'm going to be taught the word of God. I'm going to take that word because I'm a doer of the word. I'm going to take that word, and I'm going to share it with everyone I know. And the reason why I'm going to do that, so that they can be as free as I am. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, I am excited about this. First of all, um, I've known Pastor Al and Carla for a very, very, very long time, um, and I think they're the greatest pastors in the world. I also believe that Pastor Al was one of the best Bible teachers ever, and I've been to a lot of churches. Uh, Karen and I and the kids have traveled around um, this country a little bit, so we, we know a little bit about Bible teachers because we always wanted to pray about where we went to church. We always went to church where God told us to go. So in other words, we didn't just pop up one day and say, oh, there's a church, let's just go and we'll belong. No, we didn't do that. We prayed about where God wanted us to go. The foundation that I had to do that was at this church. So you guys should be excited about that. Okay, so you should be really excited about it because you're in a special place. So I give honor to Pastor Al and Carla. Um, I'm very humbled um, and excited 
at the same time to be standing on here on this stage because they don't give this platform to anybody. I know him, and they don't. So let me talk a little, a little about, about my journey. Um, I said a little bit about, you know, I got born again in this church under this, underneath this ministry. But we've moved around a lot in the last 15, 20 years. And I had an opportunity to serve under several different pastors. Um, we always were involved in church. Um, and then I'll fast forward a little bit. But the Lord had us come back here. So when we were talking about Fort Wayne and coming back to Fort Wayne, there was only one church that the Lord told me to come back to, and that was Summit. Now, full disclosure, when I lived here before, I didn't go to Summit. I went to, I was two other churches, actually, I went to, you know. Um, one was my father's house, great pastor, uh, Pastor Holly Coulterman. And then um, we also went to Harvest Word of Life, uh, Pastor Malcolm House, you know, and Jackie. Awesome people. But the Lord told me to come here. Come here and help pastor out. And I said, I'll do it. Now, I didn't debate with him about it. I didn't say, you know what, I don't really want to drive that far. I live out west. There's a church right around the corner. You know, let me go to that one. I, I didn't do any of that. Never even crossed my mind. So I wanted to come back here. So this morning here in Fort Wayne, it's about 275,000 people in Fort Wayne. 22% of them are in church this morning. It's about 60,000 people. So as if you're a salesperson, you would say, well, that's a big sales funnel for me to go out and talk to because there's a whole lot of people. There's over 200,000 people that should be filling the churches here in Fort Wayne. You guys already know this church should be full. So, okay, you said amen. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. Um, so now here's, we're just going to get a little bumpy. So, um, you guys ever been in an airplane? All right, so when the captain comes on, hear that bell, and he says, hey, you know, we're about to go into some turbulence, you know, so put your seatbelt on, make sure you're strapped in, because it's getting ready to get a little rough. It's getting ready to get a little rough. So, I love uh, holidays, especially holidays where we have family. And uh, Thanksgiving is one of my best holidays that I love. I don't know about you guys, but Thanksgiving is great. So um, when you're at Thanksgiving, though, um, and everyone's getting ready to sit down and eat, there's a couple tables. Like there's always the little kids' table where the little kids go and they have their little conversation, and then there's another table where maybe some teenagers are at, and then there's the adult table. I think all of us in here probably sit at the adult table. We're going to have an adult conversation today, a conversation that you wouldn't have at the little table, 
this is a conversation that you have at the adult table. I had a mentor, and uh, he would call several of us in his office, and he would start off with, we're going to have an adult conversation. We all knew at that point there was an issue. And it was going to get resolved by the time we left that office. And so we're going to do that today. Um, some of you have known me a little bit, so you know that I came from um, a, a large corporation, and in that corporation, I was one of their C-level folks. I was president of an area for them out east. And as such, there was some authority that I had. Actually, I had a lot of authority. And my staff knew that I had that authority. And the 4,000 people at one time that worked for me knew I had that authority as well. Didn't abuse the authority, but they knew I had the authority to do and say whatever I wanted to and to get them to react in a certain manner. When I had staff meetings, I had people all over, you know, all over the state, whether it's Pennsylvania or Delaware, had them all over. When I had staff meetings, I would have them come to me, or I would go to them, but we would all meet together. I could have said, let's just do it over the phone, but I didn't, because there was a reason why I needed to look at them. There was a reason why I needed to see the whites of their eyes, because if you don't do that, there's certain things that just won't get done. This is a body of Christ. I need everybody here. We need every seat full, not just to say we have seats filled, but so that we can help each other. Uh, you mean something to me. I mean, we can't come in here and half of us are in here now, uh, some leave later, when I was the boss, nobody, when we were in a staff meeting, nobody looked at their phone. They, they didn't look at their phone. I, I mean, there was, a, there was an air of respect that they had. You know, so they, they didn't look at their phone. Um, they didn't get up in the middle of the staff meeting and say, uh, Tim, I got to go. Um, have another appointment. Um, they didn't do that. Why didn't they do that? It's because of the respect that they had for me and the organization that I was running. They had that respect. I said it was going to get bumpy. I know I'm not going to get a whole lot of amens. That's all right. But pace your anger, okay? Don't get, all, don't get angry all at once because I got another 22 minutes. So pace it. You can get angry later on. Pace your anger. All right? So, but they, ne they never did that. And the reason why they didn't do it is because there were some things that we needed to accomplish in order for our business to grow. Now, I mentioned that there were about 22% or uh, 60,000 people that are at church this morning. 
this is not on in the, the scriptures I gave you, but I want to let you guys hear this anyway. So Hebrews 10.25, by the way, I was talking to pastor last night, and he said, uh, hey, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to go well and everything. And, uh, and then he said, uh, hey, uh, I do have a suggestion. I would suggest that you use the Bible tomorrow. <laughs> I said, Pastor, I'll, I promise I'll use the Bible. You know, we'll, we'll be talking about the, we'll, I'll be giving scripture. So Hebrews 10.25 says, Hebrews 10.25 says, um, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much that more as you see the day, and more as you see the day approaching. So it's kind of telling us that we need to be together, and there's a reason why we need to be together. I tried to fight this, but I can't fight it, so I need to put on my high definition. Don't laugh. You guys know you got some high deaths that you don't use to. All right. So the Passion Translation of 1025 says this. I like this a lot. This is not the time to pull away and neglect. Meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day of dawn. So that's, that's like the word of God. All right, so uh, welcome, Indy. I forgot to do this. Welcome, Indy. Uh, folks online, no condemnation here. I'm not saying that if you're online right now and you're listening to this, that, you know, well, you should be here. Maybe not. But there should be a lot more folk here. And I asked the Lord, I said, why, why isn't the church full? Why is the church not full, even here in Fort Wayne? Why aren't we, why is only 22%, why is only 60,000 people going to church? Because I think when you find out the why, then you can form an action plan to go forward because otherwise if we're not asking ourselves that why are we here I mean all y'all could have stayed at home could have watched it online I probably wouldn't need one or two people here but everybody could have been at home online looking streaming having their breakfast orange juice could have done that but there's a reason why you're here and there's a reason why we need to make sure that more people are here and I'm going to exhort you and talk to you a little bit more about that because I think that there's an opportunity here that we as believers we've kind of missed and I think as a result of that I think there's some things that maybe aren't going the way that we maybe thought they would go you know but as we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, right? So we're one with him, right? All right. So we're this community of believers, you know. So in Acts 2.42, the Passion Translator says, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. 
their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. They became partners. So when you're partners with someone, when you're partners with a ministry, you're linked together. So that same vision that pastor has, you're linked with that vision. You're linked to it. All right. Now, the, some of you have pulled up the, uh, the app and uh, started looking at the scriptures. And the first thing that is the title, and it says, Devil, You Can't Have Them. So, I'm going to get to all that. I'm pretty upset when I hear all the killings and everything happen. I don't know about you. If you're online, whatever city you're in, it's happening. If you're in Indy, it's happening. It's definitely happening here in Fort Wayne. If as believers, we sit back and just say, it didn't happen in my house, so it's okay, uh, that's wrong. That's, that's like real wrong. Back in the day, pastor used to say, when you pass by anyone that's even had an accident, pray for them. Pray for them. We can't get numb as believers and thinking that, well, as long as it doesn't affect me, I'm good. That's not Christ-like. That, that's not being a Christian. So, all right. <laughs> so, um, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 1.9. 1 Corinthians 1.9. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship. You were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That word fellowship is talking about koinonia. Koinonia means sharing, unity, close association, partnership. So the fellowship that we have with Christ, that's the fellowship we have. Um, if you look at the Amplified version, the uh, classic edition, edition uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9, I love the way this is stated. It says, God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise, and he can be depended on. The Lord can be depended on. You guys believe that? By him, you were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So once again, we're called into this fellowship. I want you to start getting a picture of this fellowship that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not um, the fellowship that you have with someone that you go have coffee with on Wednesday morning. Because when you have coffee with that person, you definitely just get the best of them. 
You don't really know them. But you have coffee with them. This is a different kind of fellowship. Uh, turn your Bibles to Luke 4, uh, 18 and 19. And I think it's probably displayed as well. Um, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus talking. The Spirit of the, Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If you go into the Message Bible, it talks about it a little differently. And I, I really like this one too. So how many of you love the Bible? And I love the different translations because it, it helped me and probably helps you understand what the Lord is trying to get across to us. Message translation says, he came to Nazareth where he had been reared. As he always did upon the Sabbath, he went to the meeting place. When he stood up to read, he was handled, handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling the scroll, he found a place where it was written. Then he started talking. He said, God's spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of the good news to the poor, sent me to announce the pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burdened and battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. This is God's year to act. You're in fellowship with him. You're one with Christ. This is what you do. This is not somebody foreign. This is what we do. So let me finish. He says, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the assistant, and sat down. I just imagine that he, you know, all these guys are sitting around, and he, he sat down, and when he sat down, he crossed his legs because he was in charge. Okay, he crossed his legs. Then when every eye was on him intently, then he started. Crossing his legs and then he's talking to these dudes. He said, you've just heard scripture make history. It came true just now in this place. He's telling them that. I'm sure that they were like, what? What is this guy talking about? And then they had to think about what he was saying. And then they knew it was true. 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil. I'm trying to, I want to go to the second part of it, really, is where I want to get to. So I'll just skip to that. That he might destroy the works of the devil. So here's Jesus is in charge. He's here to destroy the works of the devil. We are here to do the same. So, it's not our job to just sit back and just watch things happen. We have to start being active. Um, that means you have to talk to people. Um, that also means that you have to get involved. Um, you have to have this passion around people and the lost. So, it's almost to the point where you have to own the lost. 
you have to own it. Um, when I was in business, um, in corporate America, we, I used to have this, uh, this title. And basically, I, I used to tell all my folks that if you touch it, you own it. So it didn't matter where in the process you were. If you touched it, you own it. So if a customer needed something and you touched it, you have the responsibility to talk to that customer. Whether you were ultimately responsible for it or not, you had the responsibility to talk to them. We have a responsibility. Romans 8, 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our, with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. If you look at the message translation of that, it says, so don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? We don't owe not this do-it-yourself life one red cent. There's nothing in it for us. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. That's the best thing you can do. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not timid. Grave-tending life. It's not a timid, grave-tending life. So if the reason why we're not talking to people is because we're timid, it's not what the Lord says. You're not timid. Not just life that he's given you. It's not timid. Okay, we need to put it to bury it. Bury it. It's adventurously expectant Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? So think about that. Think about that. So we're going out, and you're at Kroger. And the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you says, talk to that person. He needs your help. You got one or two choices. Lord, I'm not, no, I'm not going to do that. And you move on. I would say that's what we do normally. That's, that's what we do. But if we go in and we talk to them, you don't even have to say a whole lot. Just let the Holy Spirit say it through you. Just, just let him do that. And when he does that, Whatever comes out your mouth is going to be what that person needed to hear. And then you can say, 
One down. What's next, Papa? Let's go, let's go to the next one. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and he knows who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we are certainly going to go through the good times with him. Say, devil, you can't have them. Because we're going after them. Now, we got to be excited about this. We, we, we really do. Because one thing I know, that if you're not excited about something, you're not doing it. <laughs> you're not, not going to do it. You're not. I mean, we can sit up here and we can, I mean, we'd be, we're playing church. That's what we'd be doing. We can sit up here and we can nod. You know, I, used to, I, I understand how to nod people in. Yeah, nod them in. Yeah, you nod, they nod too. All right? But what's, what happens outside those doors, though? What's, what's going to happen? How are you going to be different? How, how are you going to change things? How are you going to change your neighborhood? How are you going to look at your neighbor when you go home today? What does that look like? I, I ran into a friend of mine uh, Friday. Hadn't seen me in a while. He was asking me what I was doing and everything I was coming. He said, don't surprise me. You was always serious, Tim, about everything you do, you know. So I apologize. I'm serious about this <laughs> because this is what, is what I do. All right. So um, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, but he who joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Passion translation says, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. Now, mingled is this is mixed together. Okay? So, so you're mixed together with God. So if you've ever mixed a cake, you've got several ingredients you put in the cake, right? If it's when it's all mixed up. Can you take the ingredients out? Can't take it out. It's there for good. There's no way to separate it. There's no way to separate you from being mingled with Christ. There's no way. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it talks about the Great Commission. You guys already know this, um, but I want to share it really quick. Um, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, uh, but, then, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, check this out, all authority, say all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He could have just said heaven. But he didn't. He said, 
He said, on earth as well. So we're one with him, right? So do we have authority? Where do we have authority? Heaven and earth. All right. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Message says, meanwhile, the disciples were on their way to Galilee, Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship and risking themselves totally. They were no different than we are today. You know, we would hesitate. Some of you would say, wait a minute, you know, devil get in your head, you know. And no, that's not, that's not, no, I'm not going to do that. No, what's that going to look like? They were no different than we were. Then Jesus, undeterred, so that didn't even bother him. The way they were acting didn't bother him at all. It says, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. And he says, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. So this is a command. I, I want everybody, you, it's too late to run out. Okay? Because <laughs> you, you're about to hear what the command was, okay? And then you're going to be responsible. Um, <laughs> it says, go out, train everyone you meet far and near, in this way of life, making them by, bap by, baptize, by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. Then he says something I think is critical. He says, I will be with you as you do this. Day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. So now you've got this mentor that's not across the country that gave you this charge. You have him on the inside of you. And what he tells you is, you know what, don't worry about uh, what you're going to say because I'm going to be with you. I, I'm going to be with you day after day, he didn't say, on Wednesday, I'm going to be with you. Thursday, Friday, you're on your own. He didn't say that. He said day after day after day. Luke 137 says, for with God, nothing, nothing will be impossible. Nothing. Translation Bible says, not one promise from God is empty of power. For nothing is impossible with God. We can do this, folks. We can do it. Nothing is impossible for us. Nothing. Okay, so I know I'm out of time. One more scripture. All right. Second uh, Peter 1, 1 through 3. So, 
one says, this is the New King James, it says, Simon Peter, a bondservant, and the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Then he says something I think is key. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Let's repeat that. Say grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So he's saying grace and peace can be multiplied. It can multiply grace. Multiply peace. It can be multiplied. But the key is, can be multiplied in the knowledge of God. Not the knowledge about God. There's a difference. It's the knowledge of God. In order to have knowledge of God, you got to spend time with him. I'm not dictating that you got to spend an hour, five minutes, 30 minutes. I'm not saying that. But you got to spend time with him. Because if you don't, you won't have the knowledge of. A lot of people can quote, quote scripture. A lot of folks can do that. But when you have knowledge of God, then it causes you to act a certain way. Um, because you know him. So, um, and uh, let me finish the scripture here. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, when you have knowledge of God, as his divine power has given to us all things. Everybody say all things. Does that leave anything out? Doesn't leave anything out. That pertains to life and godliness. Okay, he could have just said godliness. He didn't say that. He said life as well. And then he goes on and says, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So he's talking about knowledge of again, not knowledge about, knowledge of. If you go to the Amplified Classic version of it, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, special messenger, of Jesus Christ to those who have received, obtained an equal privilege of, like precious faith, with ourselves in and through the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace, God's favor, and peace, which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity, and freedom from fears, agitating passions, and more moral conflict be multiplied to you the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God. For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by and 
to his own glory and excellent virtue. This is not hard. The enemy has tried to trick us to tell us how hard this is. He's put us in a position where we have a double take on everything. We don't want to do this. We want to do this. We don't know enough words, so we're not going to do that. I don't want to talk to that person because if I say something wrong, that person's going to do something to me. It's a, all, it's a lie. It's all a lie. It comes down to how much do you love people? How much do you love them? Do you love them enough to set aside your schedule sometimes to talk to them? Do you love them enough to purposely go out, find people, ask the Lord, who do I need to minister to today? Who's going to cross my path today? What divine appointment am I going to have today? Because all I want to do, Lord, is please you. Not only do I want to please you, I'm tired of seeing people killed every day. I'm, I'm tired of it. What if we had an assignment to minister to people and we could see we could see this vision out here knowing that if we minister to them, that what the enemy had planned for them next week wouldn't happen. This is serious, folks. It's, we're down to that. We are in the last days. We're down to that. And believers, as believers, we really need to just take charge of this. We have the authority to do this. This is not one of those run and shout messages, I know. <laughs> but it's one that we all needed to hear, including myself. So, Pastor Tracy, I'm done, man. Thank y'all.